Amen. And what a wonderful time of worship that that was, just uh, being here in the presence of the Lord in this place, knowing that we can gather no matter where we are, even if it is a Presbyterian building, that we can gather together and worship the Lord, right? I worshiped the Lord yesterday, it was Saturday, at an old bread factory in the basement of that place with about 80 to 100 homeless folks and a church that came to, from Maryville and brought to us the, the Word of God and just the worship in that time. So you can worship the Lord. And, uh, but I, I appreciate the, the spirit by which it, it's done here. Uh, I've never been here before. I don't know that I've ever met Rick, and I know Leanne and, and Tim from years ago. But uh, thank you for just uh, the sincerity of that worship today. Just before I start, I do want to give just a, a quick commercial. I'm not here as a representative necessarily to speak on behalf of the ministry. I'm here to speak, and wherever I go, I want to speak on behalf of the Lord. But uh, I am Angelic Ministries uh, Executive Director. I've been there about eight years. It is my heart. It is my life in a lot of ways. And uh, I am thankful to be here in, or be there in that place serving where God has me to serve. I don't understand why. I don't really know the steps or understand the steps by which he led me to be at that place. Uh, I, I could have been nearing retirement at a church that I loved and uh, that loved me and uh, just spending my days there and, and, and still do love them. However, God seemed fit to move me from that place to an abandoned warehouse uh, full of stuff uh, to help families in crisis. And that's what we do in that place. It's not just a homeless ministry. Some get the idea that we just address the homeless issue and the needs of our homeless in our city. And that is uh, very far from uh, the truth as it pertains to all we do. Uh, we, our main thrust is to help families that are in crisis, uh, families that are working poor families that need our help with clothes, shoes, furniture, and dish items, things like that. That's what we do. To do that, we have a core of men that help us uh, that are going through a year-long rehab that live in our houses that we have uh, refurbished so they can have a place to live, and uh, they go through a year-long drug and alcohol rehab. At the same time, they're going through the Bible uh, with us, and uh, we're teaching them life skills and job skills, and uh, we're excited to see what God has done in that. We're in our 13th class, graduating men through our Knox County Christian Men's Job Corps. Uh, we'll be doing that at our annual fundraiser this year, November the 5th. Uh, if you don't have plans and you'd like to come and be with us in that time, please look us up on Facebook. There is a place there you can... Uh, Sign up to come to be in that uh, event with us. They'll be graduating. Matter of fact, our last two classes will be graduating at that fundraising event. Uh, where we're going to raise money to build and, and refurbish a building that's outside of our building uh, to do a, a full-servicing garage and a small engine repair and a woodworking uh, shop to tr help teach and train our men as well as be a service to those in our community. So we're excited about that. That's a little bit about where we're going, uh, a little bit about me. I am uh, I'm just a, a man uh, called by God to preach the gospel and to work and do uh, what needs to be done before time is no more, yeah, because that time is coming shortly, isn't it? And we see things beginning to unfold, uh, even in our own nation. 
we see things begin to not unravel. I don't want you to get the idea that things are going to become unraveled, but things are unfolding and things are happening. And uh, there is not something that's going to happen, happen, but someone that's going to happen. And I'm excited about that, as I'm sure you are. My wife is here with me. We've been married uh, last month, 33 years, and we do have three grown children. And, I, and I'm uh, excited uh, about that. And our grandchildren, which are uh, so much better than our children were for whatever reason and I don't understand all of that I didn't understand it when I heard people say it before but now that I have two boys uh, there's nothing quite like it it is an amazing transformation that has taken place uh, in our lives and so uh, they're better than than a dog when you retire right <laughs> and uh, I, I appreciate uh, my kids uh, my kids and, and Tim and Leanne's kids uh, I have some in, in, in common, and I can't help but think about uh, Kenzie at times, and uh, she'd come over to the house uh, when we first built uh, to ride to school uh, with uh, my kids, and, uh, or, and it was just a, uh, just a sweet family, and, but I'll never forget, and, and, she, and Kenzie will kill me if she hears me tell this story, but it's, the first thing I think about when I think about her was we just built this house, and as you're going up the steps, it's just wooden steps, and... Uh, she was upstairs, and, and her and Katie were coming down to get ready to go. And uh, I mean, I thought there was an earthquake. And I, I remember back in the days when we used to load pigs and, and, uh, and cows in the, in the trailer, you know, had sound. And that's what it sounded like. And, and here come Kenzie down those slick wooden steps with them shoes. And he's up all the way to the bottom. And she's at the bottom, and I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me, and and she just laughs, and I said, are you okay? I'm fine, just, but she was just, just the, she's the most precious, sweet, uh, innocent, but that was, that, that was one of those times, it just kind of gets in your mind, and uh, I appreciate uh, all the, the Parker family, and I appreciate you letting me come today, uh, as I said, to just uh, speak on behalf of the Lord. I know that uh, Pastor Tim is going to be teaching a series uh, coming up, I think, on contentment. And uh, as I was reading that and where he was headed with that, uh, there's a sermon that I share from time to time when I go to share with folks uh, that sort of intertwines everything. And, and you have to be able to do that or I'd be here for an hour and a half. And nobody wants that. I mean, not even good hard shell Baptists that I'm used to back in the day don't want an hour and a half, right? Unless you break for meals in between. <laughs> then we could stay all day, right? Um, but I want to I just uh, preface this uh, first, let's, the passage I want to look at is in 2 Peter chapter 3. And I want to read uh, a few verses there, and then, and then uh, I, I will hurry along and, and tie some things together to where maybe you could take from this something that you'll be able to, uh, to glean and, and grow from and be meaningful to you. But in chapter 3, verse, 2 Peter, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And then he says, since all these things are therefore, he says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? 
looking for the hastening and the coming day of, the God, of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and elements melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, uh, this is another translation of that passage, we are looking for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of the Lord as salvation, just as also our, our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom that was given him, wrote to you, as also in his letters, speaking to, in them of those things in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and the unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction." Now listen to verse 17 particularly. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Now, when you go to another of uh, Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians, and he, he speaks about being careful where we stand lest we fall. And uh, I want to share with you just something that uh, is, this is a true story. Now, guys, I want you to take from this something also. When you close in a garage and you make a family room out of it, be prepared a year to two years down the road, you will be building a carport for the garage that you used to have. All right? That's a given. So don't even think that you're going to get out of that chore. If you close in the garage for the grandchildren, you will be building a carport for your wife in two years. Okay? Now, here's something that happened while we were doing that, and, and I know most of you we're living in a day where now we spend millions, if not billions of dollars uh, in these uh, storage buildings that are all over uh, this country. And in that, we store there. And I've got two pods that I store in and a barn. And, and, and then I had a garage. And everything was full. Everything was full of stuff. But you, So to build the, the playroom or the, the family room in the garage, we had to clean all of that out. And in doing so, there was a cabinet there. As you walk in a, a, a big roll-up garage door to the right side, there was a cabinet that was there. And in that cabinet, we kept stuff to, to, to wash the cars and stuff like that, you know, just to keep it up out of the way. On top of that cabinet was this box. And in this box was some dried flowers from a wedding. And in that box was also a perfectly built bird's nest with Birds in it. Now, my chore, as it became evident to me at that point, was to take that bird nest, try, first of all, I was asking myself, how in the world did a bird build a nest in my garage, inside my garage, in a box on top of that cabinet? 
You, and, and no, I, I live, we know we live in a day where that you don't leave your doors unlocked anymore, and you certainly don't leave a 16-foot garage door open when you leave, so that a bird would have time to do that. At least most times you wouldn't do that. So this bird had to take diligent care and be very frugal and thrifty and quick and uh, patient too, I would say, to build the nest in my garage. And then actually have her babies in the bird nest. And then I had to try to take those birds and transplant them in a place to where I thought they would be safe. And needless to say, uh, sadly enough, they did not survive. My message to you today is, and I'm not preaching against contentment, because with contentment, the scripture says there is great gain. Uh, and, and I'm sure Tim will go over all that and explain all that in, in, in a wonderful way to you. But what I want to say to you, be careful and know the difference between comfort and content. Be careful where you're comfortable. Where you build a nest. I, I don't know what this bird was thinking. and I, She probably needed to go to some parenting classes or whatever to, you know, to, to where you nest, where you build. Don't build in a garage, in a box inside Because, you know, they're going to have grandkids and they're going to clean that out one of these days and make a family room of it. And you can't build in that place. That's not a good place to build your nest. I want us to think about it today. And and, and the writer Peter gives us clear instruction as to who we need to listen to, what we need to listen to, and, and to be careful because there are people who think they stand And he said, be careful when you think you stand, you get comfortable there, you will fall. You will fall. And that's the first thing I want to say to you is be careful that you don't get too comfortable with self. Now, I know we we, we tell people you need to be be comfortable in your own skin and and make sure that we we want to build our kids up and we want to teach them to be self-confident and to be uh, uh, ambitious and all those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But be careful, Paul said, to to not ever think that we've arrived. You know any people like that? Do you know even Christians who think they've arrived? Well, you'd think that you'd already missed the rapture if uh, you'd met some people, right? Because they're, they're that holy or, or they're, they're that, that, that clean or that pure. But I want you to be careful. I want us all to think about how careful we need to be. Lest we fall. And, and there's a lot of teaching going on nowadays, isn't there? I remember when I was a boy growing up in, in the old Baptist churches where I grew up. I mean, there, there, there's just a very few things, at least that I knew of. I may have been in a shell, but very few things that were taught different things. You know, the biggest thing that, that went on in our church uh, most of the time was whether you're going to have a, a bathroom inside or outside or what color the pews are going to be and that kind of thing. But as far as the teaching goes, uh, it, it, it basically surrounded whether you were premillennial, amillennial, or panmillennial. In, in the churches where I came from. But today there are so many different teachings. I mean on the radio, on the TV, on the street, in the church, wherever. There are so many things being taught. You need to be thankful. 
If you're standing, and I believe you are, in the presence of a teacher that's going to teach you the Word of God as it is. And that, that he's a principled man. And he's not an unprincipled man teaching things that ought not be, ought not be uh, being taught. Because we're living in a world, and we see it all the time, and I'm amazed. And I, I didn't think it was so. And sometimes we are a little bit naive, at least I was. To where now I've got guys that are coming to me from every situation in life, from prison, from jail, from the street, from all kinds of things. And it is amazing the indoctrination that these men have received. And I shake my head thinking, you were taught what? Taught by unprincipled men. Carried away by the error of unprincipled men. And be careful that you don't fall from your own steadfastness. Somehow there are those who say, as I said, have arrived. And, and Paul said, I'm not teaching you as if I have apprehended, but I'm still running. I'm still on the journey. And many Christians, too many, in fact, use the words ever and never. Uh, very confident in themselves. I would never do that or I could never think that or do that. We call them cocky Christians, right? Be careful, don't you never say Never or ever. But by the grace of God, some of the people I see every day could be me. Could be you. Oh, my kids would never do that. Then I had to three. Right? And then my three, I'm watching them. And I'm watching them as they have children. And, and I'm sure there's one thinking, my, well, mine ain't never going to act like that. And I'm just sitting back just... <laughs> You don't say that, do you? This will never happen in America, would it? But it has. Some of the things that we can't even go into because there's too many. It would never happen in this country. But Peter's trying to tell us that we need to be careful because we become, if we're not careful, our own gods and our own self-effort. And all that fails us. But the only way we can do anything is when we find our sufficiency in Christ. I can do nothing, but I can do in myself, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So be careful that we're not too cocky ourselves. And I have to remind myself, I have not arrived there yet. When God showed me that in a very real way, when he took me from the pulpit and put me in, a, in the field, so to speak. The very real uh, mission field. Having said that, I want to move on to, to one or two other things. Because not thinking too highly of ourselves doesn't excuse us from seeking to live holy, blameless lives. And I'm not, I didn't say perfect, but holy, blameless lives. Being careful that somebody can't point the finger at us and, and, and really doing our, our diligence in living such a way. And that's, that's, that takes a lot of work and a lot of the, the, the Spirit of God in us and the Word of God. So don't ever depart from it. When we stop reading it, when we stop praying, when we stop any that we neglect any of those things, we are ready for a fall. And none of us here 
are exempt. None of us are exempt from that. But also we have come to the place, I'm afraid, where we have become too comfortable with our sin. Psalms chapter 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Enough said with that verse? Maybe not. It's easy. It is easy, way too easy today uh, to get real comfortable with that. You got any of those pets? Sins? We've got those things that, yeah, at least I don't do that, but I can do this, and we, and we, we buddy up to it, and we've got a leash on it. And, and the guys come sometimes, and as they're going through the program, they talk about my addiction. And I say, why do you want to have that and own that as your pet? And, and some go through their life, well, it's, it was my addiction that did that. And we own that, and we don't have to. It's my habit. Or if this is my weight that I have to carry. It may be their booze. It may be their drugs. It may be their sex life. It may be their lying and manipulating. All of which are true. But what about other areas in our life? Because we're not as bad as most of the time. And that's how we sort of uh, justify sometimes. I do. And I see this. And I only say this to you because I see it in, in people every day. And, and I see them because they look at people that I deal with and, and, and that's the, the less thans. That's the ones that I don't want to be like that. As long as I'm not like that, I'm okay. Be careful. I'm not saying that we don't sin, but don't get comfortable with your sin. Don't get comfortable with it. Our sin, our social media, our private lives, our professional lives, our business connections and such. All of these things are slippery slopes without proper accountability. Don't be comfortable with it just because somebody else is doing it. I'm afraid that we've walked in the step with the wicked. We've stood where sinners stand and we've even took a seat in the company of mockers in many of those areas of our life that David was talking about. I can handle it. It's not that bad. I was just having a little fun. You know, it's, it's this kind of world we're living in, isn't it? I mean, when you look at all the scandals that we hear about, that we read about in, our, in politics, they, they've always been there. They just, uh, we just get to see about them and hear about them more than we ever used to because of the media, right? They've always been there. But look at all the different scandals in our churches, in our politicians, and in our communities, and in everything that we see, it is amazing how tempered we have become to it, how desensitized. We have become to those kinds of things. It doesn't make us blush anymore, the Scripture says. Nothing. Truth has fallen in the street. And nothing makes us blush anymore. When's the last time you ever had a conversation with somebody and, and they were ashamed to even go into an area of discussion with you and they would blush to tell or they'd be ashamed to tell? You don't see it much anymore, do we? We've become comfortable. It's sort of like the, the frog, and I'm sure you've heard the story that you throw him in a pan of water, of cold water, uh, and he'll stay, he'll, he'll stay there. If you throw him in a can, pan of boiling water, he'll jump out. But if you put him in some lukewarm water, put him there, and just keep in, increasing the heat, 
He'll stay there till he boils and dies because he just becomes tempered to it. He adapts to it. He's acclimated to it. And I, I, I'm afraid, and we need to warn people everywhere, always, not to become adapted to the culture, to the sin that is around us. There was an article one time in 2009 that asked the question, how long is it before you find yourself comfortable with any particular sin? After sinning once, twice, maybe ten times? And in uh, conversation about that question, I, I, I was thinking about that and I was reading a uh, an article from Paul Tripp on violent grace. And those terms don't even seem to match, do they? Or need to go together. But it expounds verse 8 of Psalms 51. It says, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. In it, Tripp speaks to the comfortableness that we find in our sin. And God's blessing us with violent uncomfortable grace. He loves us enough that even uh, when we get in our sin, He loves us enough to crush us so that we would feel the pain of our sin and run to Him for forgiveness. Think about it. When you break a bone, aren't you glad you feel it? I don't like the pain, nobody does, but when you break it, it gives a signal to your body that says, I'm hurt, fix me. When we live in sin, when we sin, there is that crushing blow that God gives and that it does crush us and it breaks us and we feel hurt, but we feel hurt and it makes us run to Him. Violent grace. I love that terminology. The physical pain that an actual bone is broken, worth it because it's a warning something, something's wrong with our, our arm or our leg. And if you watched the football game last night, you can say, ouch, to the first play of that game, right? Something wasn't right. Body wasn't meant to bend that way, was it? In the same way, God loves us. and <laughs> The hammer of conviction. We don't like conviction anymore, do we? We, we, we really like it when the preacher tells us, uh, you know, that, you, that there's, a, there's a way you can come and God loves you and, and His grace is there. And yes, He understands. Yes, He knows. But He still convicts me of sin. How many have that warning light go off? That the Spirit sounds when you're stepping out of the way. And we've all ignored it, but you've heard it. And you know it. Thank God for it, right? Thank God for that. And sometimes there are things that God will bring in our lives when we get in the middle of our sin where we ought not be that God brings and really hammers us with that, with the consequence perhaps of our sin. Why? Because He hates us? No, because He loves us and He wants to bring us back to Himself. I don't know, maybe in your life you've experienced some violent grace the sin sometimes that we might be comfortable with and we have to confess that and repent 
of it, but celebrate in God's grace continually, constantly submitting to his word. Don't get comfortable in it. I'm not saying you can escape it. We live in this world and we all sin. We all have faults, right? We all are tempted. And I think one of the hardest principles that, that, that my men uh, have, uh, they, they got this Flip Wilson mentality that the devil made you do it. And the hardest thing for them to understand is that we sin when we are led away by the lust of our flesh or by our own evil desires. We are tempted when we are led away by those and then we sin and then the sin brings forth death. And then if we're not careful, we get very comfortable with our service, what we're doing. I look at one of the best examples that I read about in Scripture and I think about Elijah. And and I see him by the brook of Cherith, which is the brook of breaking. And we see him there, you know, he'd caused it, uh, prophesied on God's behalf that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. And, and God then took care of him by this brook and, and it watered him and, and, the, and, the, and the bird would bring him, the raven would bring him uh, morsels of meat and feed him. And God had taken care of his man. Can you imagine what it must have been like watching the last trickles of that water in that brook disappear and the water stopped and the food stopped. And that wasn't all because obeying God's orders, he had prayed for it not to rain and now he's there, uh, uh, been there for about two years. How long does it take you to get comfortable in the service for the Lord that you do? I wonder, how long does it take me to get just comfortable in that? And then God says, okay, I can remember eight years ago when I was very comfortable where I was. And then Betsy Frazier messed everything up. The Lord began to, to, to work. And, and I can't even tell you that whole story, how all of that happened. I know it was God who did that. But we get comfortable there and... And then the Lord says, okay, that's good. Now I want you to do this. Zig Ziglar tells a story one time uh, of, he says, one day the rich people's cook uh, brought over a place of bis- a plate of biscuits and some of them were no thicker than a silver dollar. And little Zig at that time, he asked Maud, he said, uh, what happened to those biscuits? And she reared back and she said, those uh, biscuits got cooked in the squat. In other words, they never rose. <laughs> they, something happened and they got, they got cooked and, and, and they were flat. And, and sometimes we're, we're just like that. Biscuits that squatted to rise, but they got cooked in the squat. And many servants are, are, are squatting to rise, but they get cooked in the squat. They never reach the full potential that God has for them. Because God may do something a little different. I mean, just think about it. Just the fact that you exist here at Crosspoint is because somebody was willing to do and step outside the box a little bit and do something a little different. Right? Not getting cooked in the squat, being, being reaching a full potential. 
lot of folks say, well, where we're going with, with church starts and with community churches and with, with house churches and things like that, where we're headed, well, it's where they started, isn't it? Very much like that. And probably, let me tell you, that's probably where we're all going to end up. It's not in our big stained glass buildings, but in our homes. But wherever it is, God, whatever you're moving and whatever you're doing in, in your plan, it's pleasing to me. I want to be a part of that, don't you? I want to be a part of that. So God's speaking to Elijah to get out of his comfort zone. We've got people come over there to Angelic that were not like me. They didn't worship like me. We've got people that lead worship every Saturday. They're not Baptist. They're not Presbyterian. They may be a Methodist. They may list us last week. It was Church of God. And Church of God's preaching, and you got Methodists that are singing, and you got Presby or you got uh, uh, Baptists that are cooking the chicken. Not a bad combination there, is it? Everybody willing to do their part, not talking about, not even thinking about, even though they're still clear what it takes for salvation, there is still that filter they have to come through, that there is one Savior, there is one way to be saved, not a way, but the way, and His name is Jesus. And if they're willing to preach that and that it's His blood and that's the only way to be saved, I don't care what happens after that. But that one thing is, remains true. And so we got a lot of things, and it was sort of out of my comfort zone. It was out of my comfort zone not too many years ago that I'd ever even cracked the Bible open and preach in a church house that didn't have a three-piece suit on. That was my comfort zone then, to be without a tie and a coat in these days or even to go to church on Saturday in that old bread building with, with my T-shirt. That wasn't my comfort zone. God took me out of that. And God, and, and those are little things, right? But God's talking to Elijah at Kareth. From Kareth, which means to cut or to break. To Karephath, which means the smelting furnace. Literally, he was moving Elijah out of the frying pan into the fire. Everybody wants God to do that to you? Say amen. And he does it. He's moving him out of the out of, of, of this broken place. First he broke him there at Cherith. Then he brings him to this other place, a, a, which is to cut and to break. And then he takes him to a place that says, it's a smelting furnace. So, Lord, it's a growing church. Lord, thank you for doing that for me. <laughs> and on top of that, the place where God was sending him was 90 miles away. We don't think anything about that today because we hop in our car and we're there in 90 minutes or so. Right? But that wasn't the case here. And then he sent him from there on to the widow woman's house for help or to give help. Be a blessing and you'll be guaranteed a blessing. Wherever it is that God's leading you. Whatever he wants you to do, be it lead worship, be it fry chicken for somebody, and you can always come. Uh, it's 1218 North Central uh, the old Marita Bread Factory. You can always have a place if you want to bring chicken or something like that. You can always bring stuff there. We've got uh, uh, ten or 12 men right now that 
Uh, we try to help feed every day uh, also in our houses. So anything you want to do like that can help. You want to be a part. Whatever it is, just don't limit what God wants to do in your service to him. He's the king. He's the king. And whatever he says is what I want to do. And I don't want to be caught being comfortable in my service. And I really did have that conversation with the Lord. When he said to me, when I was visiting over at Angelic Ministries and doing some volunteer work while I was pastoring about six blocks away, and God said, that's where I want you to be. And I said, no, no, really, I'm good where I'm at, God. You've got other people that can do that. I need to be here. These folks need me. And I need to be here. And besides that, my wife would kill me at, you know, just at this age and stage in my life. There's no way that my wife has been nothing but supportive through 33 years of marriage and three churches to be there when she says, if God's leading you, I'm following him. I'm not just following you. I'm following him. So God did that, and I was very uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. They didn't even have a budget. I didn't know that I was going to have, a, a, I, had a, I had a no budget for, for a salary or anything. Didn't know how I was going to survive. But God said, I want you there. That's where you need to be. That's where I want you. I don't know how long God's going to have me there. But as long as he wants me there and things have become uncomfortable there from time to time as well. What area are you too comfortable in? Now, once again, do not misunderstand being comfortable with being content. Because contentment is, in whatever situation that you have me in God, I'm content. Paul said it, hungry, fed, cold, hot, clothed, naked, prison free, all those kinds of things. At least I've learned contentment. But don't be comfortable with yourself to the point to where that you fall. God, help me not to be comfortable in my sin that I cause others to fall. God, help me that I'm ever comfortable in my service. That nobody comes to you. That I'm useless. I want to be used by God. And I think you do too. But God sent me that way with, with that message today just to say, you know, I need to wake up to my insufficient self, to inexcusable sin, and to inadequate service. I need to wake up to that in my life. And I want people everywhere to do the same. 